With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney, joined today by Adam Wilde from the Steve Dangle Podcast and SDPN. Adam, what's going on, man? Thanks for taking the time to do this. Tim, it's a pleasure. It's nice to be back. I'm very excited. Um, and uh, listen, I'm, I'm a little sad because after you know two straight weeks, I felt a little bit spoiled, and, and, and they rarely ever do three weeks in a row. So here we are, and a non-race weekend. <laughs> sad it makes me sad that's okay i mean we got racing next weekend but wanted to get you on today to discuss um the findings from an interesting article from mm. a company called buzz radar and so what they did is it's a part one of a three-part report that they have conducted on f1 formula one so part one was titled have we reached peak f1 uh, it's a research study that was completed by a social media intelligence group. Uh, they did a study on F1's social media using AI and humans as well. So, Adam, if we go all the way back to 2022, F1 had a boom in popularity. Uh, they were coming off the back of an extremely successful 2021 title battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And then into 2022, where we saw new cars, new regulations, etc., so the report pulled data from about 70 million fan posts and the data showed that there was a decline of interest in Formula One due to the dominance of Red Bull and Max Verstappen. So social mentions of F1 were down 70.2% from January to May compared mm. to that of 2022. So new followers also down 46% and the social reach uh, all down 64%. So data showing that 2022 compared to 2023, there are drops in mentions of F1, numbers in, in growth of new followers was not good also. Uh, so they also looked at social conversations about Formula One and uh, the use of negative adjectives that were associated with the sport. Words like boring um, are, quote, High frequency descriptors replacing erstwhile positive words like interesting and exciting. <laughs> so Buzz Radar feels that, you know, the big cause of the drop off is single team domination. So first off, with that information, just want to get your thoughts on all of that before we, we dig into their findings a little bit more. Well, I, I'm not totally surprised. You know, I think I think you had a couple things going. OK, you had. The title bout, bout, bout of all bouts uh, between Max and Lewis, um, and you had it end not in who won the race. You had it end in uh, who decided the race with Michael Massey. And I don't doubt that Michael Massey's a good person, but Formula One, having him be the guy in control of that race was a disaster. Um, and And then you follow that up with a really weak season of drive to survive that is of of all the you know if you're watching that and that is the gateway drug right that tv show on or tv show netflix show is the thing that really drove a lot of the the surge in popularity in formula one to me and in, in that is if you ask anybody that's watched the show that's the weakest season and it's because you could tell formula one gets in there and goes we don't want to make this a thing but it's a thing 
and drivers are still being asked about it. I think if you had had Max or Lewis be the outright winner, it should have been Lewis, if you ask me, um, then you have a, a definitive story. You have a definitive story, and going into that next year, Max would have inevitably, inevitably won the first year, I think, of the new regulations. And then you have a, a, a great story that stretches over two years. Instead, you have a disaster. You have a really weak lead into the next season, which is Drive to Survive is the lead into the Formula One season. And then you have a little bit of Ferrari racing, but mostly Red Bull dominating the second half. And this year has been all Red Bull. I'm not, Tim, I'm not surprised. If you love motorsport, then you know it's beyond the whoever places first. Um, but if you love... Uh, if you, if you only love finding out who comes first or you're, you're sort mm -hmm. of new to the sport, you might not understand that yet. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's interesting, you know, when you, you know, you talk about drive to survive, it wasn't really heavily mentioned within their, the document and their findings. Mm -hmm. What they found was there was a, there was mainly a direct comparison between, uh, title fights between teams and drivers. So they did sure. further comparisons. they, they went back to 2016, so the Rosberg versus Hamilton, where Rosberg won the title by just five points, and there was a, a massive uptick in conversation because of that title battle. While in 2018 to 2020, that's the, the Hamilton, the Mercedes sort of dominance era, the conversation around F1 stagnated. Yeah. Then it grew significantly again during the 2021 season, which was uh, you know, the closest championship battle since 2016. Yeah. Um, they said, quote, 2023 is on course to continue losing conversation, and this pattern will continue until the racing becomes closer again. It's important to note, however, that uh, Buzz Radar did stress that F1's rise in online conversation and popularity is massively impressive, considering it still holds uh, a very strong position. Uh, where do you think in terms of the most discussed uh, from all the sporting leagues in the world, mm -hmm. where do you think F1 ranks in that oh. discussion? So you're, we're talking like... You know, you're you're talking Man. Champions League, Premier League. You're talking Cricket, hockey, baseball, talking NFL, rugby, yeah, tennis. Yeah. Boom, boom. All I mean, it. it's it's got to be top ten, but if it's in the top five, I'd be surprised. Okay, their data suggests that it is in the top five. It's number wow. five. Number yeah. five. That's really impressive. I mean, it is a global sport, right? It is. Uh, but I, 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 the reason I said I'd be surprised is because I think. Um, you know, Premier League is, or, or or just soccer in general is going to be crazy. NFL is going to be crazy. Uh, and then it sort of gets a little bit murkier because you basically have, um, you've got the West's version of their big sport. The NFL is an enormous, just a monster in terms of social media interaction. But I guess it's only on for four or five months of the year. That's right. You know, Formula One's on for 10 months of the year. So I can see how they can, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they're beating the NFL, but I can see how they could come close. Um, and that clearly they're going to hang on to some of those gains and every sports popularity comes in waves, right? You have certain seasons in any sport. That's like, uh, uh like what you consider a classic season, right? Mm -hmm. I just feel like the reason I brought up drive to survive specifically is because it is the entertainment lead in that spices you up and gets you ready. They release it in February for a reason. It's because the racing starts in March, April and, and that's when the testing is and that, you know, that gets you excited. 
Um, and, and so I know they didn't mention it in the survey, but I do think that it's really, it's such an, a, such a key part of Liberty media, um, owner of F1's plan to continue to grow this sport. And you know what, Tim, based on what you're telling me anyway, if, if Nico Rosberg versus Lewis Hamilton is the, the most talked about after 2021. So the 2016 race versus the 2021 race, then I think the person that we all should blame and point the finger at is Sergio Perez. Dude. Because listen, uh, if it's car to car, Red Bull is going to beat everybody on the track. But if it's driver to driver, Sergio hasn't come anywhere close to maxing match, match matching max outside of the first seven races. Well, he so, was close, like he was close off the top, right? Yeah. Like leading so into Miami. Things close? Were is this a different conversation? I think so. I, I think I, I think if the championship was a lot closer, we may be talking a little bit differently. And it gets a little spicy, right? Because you remember that that Hamilton Rosberg you know, 2016 battle, like those guys were not friends at that point. That was like that. That was, I think they're two enemies. No, they're not. I I doubt it. I mean, they were, they were enemies going at it in that season. Right. And Mm -hmm. maybe even the season before Tim, when you were racing, it's interesting to note. Yeah. When you were racing, did you ever have a rivalry? Not listen. I know that there wasn't the stakes involved, like formula one championship, (laughs) but did you ever have like rivalries with your co-drivers, like same team guys that you were like, okay, like I, I know we have to be friendly, but on the track, all bets are off. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Yeah, you're not friends on the track, man. This is yeah. That's where it's kind of like you, you draw the line at things. Like you can be cordial when you're off the track. You do have to help the team. You have to make sure you're helping with a positive environment because obviously the crew works really hard, really long days. The engineers, the mechanics, everybody, everyone behind the scenes. So I think as the the driver dynamic, you have to keep things pretty cordial and positive. But when you're on the racetrack, man, gloves are off. There are no friends and you, you have at it. You'll discuss things afterwards when, you know, the sessions are completed or the race is over, hash it out. And that's the end of it. And you move on. Um, yeah. Usually that's the way certain things work. But with Formula One, such a big stage, such a big platform. Um, and sometimes, you know, back in the day, these drivers only had so many chances to actually win a title. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. at that moment, it's like mind games start to come in because it's like they got to do whatever they got to do to try and get a title because next year is promised to nobody. Mm-hmm. Right. It just you don't know what you're going to get. Um, circling back to this uh, this document thing, the, the top five discussed sporting leagues in the world. Uh, their data suggests that it's NFL is number one. Champions League is number two. Premier League, the MLB slid in there. Somehow. Wow. Well, they have a lot uh, of games. Yeah. Yeah. That was the other part of it that they had uh, mentioned is that, you know, even, even though like F1 grew its conversation by 80 percent between 2016 and, and 2022 and the only other sport in the world that bettered them uh, was the Indian Premier League and uh, UEFA Champions League. Uh, and it carries on to say that remarkably F1 did this while also hosting fewer events than any other sporting league. Wow. That's listen, so, it's an impressive you know, rise. Smaller and pie, it, right? Yeah. And, and listen, as long as we have helmet Marco around to say crazy stuff, uh, we're going to have lots to chat about during the week. Right. Uh, <laughs> it is, it's impressive. And listen, the, the decline is something that I think next year changes, right? Like in whatever declines they've seen, I think next year this is a different kettle of worms, man. Or kettle of fish, not kettle of worms. No one puts worms in a kettle. <laughs> I, I think, like, like, as a whole, like, you're right. I mean, as 
you know, the, the sport itself is still in way better shape than it's ever been. The teams are actually worth a lot of money now when they weren't in the past. Mm -hmm. The teams are actually, you know, making money back, which is important. And for the first time in my lifetime, there actually is a legit conversation being had about growing the grid and the values of these teams rising which mm -hmm. in your point leads us to, to 2024 right you've got um mclaren who at the moment is just on a trajectory that's something that again i've never seen anything like a turnaround like this in an, in an f1 season mm -hmm. happen before and i think that's a prime jumping spot for conversation with what lando norris has said at the end of the japanese grand prix you and i touched on it a bit in our last podcast but I think one of the most important things from from all of that is is basically him saying, you know, we're coming for you, Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, and him believing that, which is cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Realistic. For sure. I mean, I think like, yeah. <laughs> so, I think you know, obviously coming off of Japan, scoring double podiums at him. I mean, Red Bull Racing, obviously not catchable this season at all. Andre Stella believes the same. Like they don't, he doesn't feel that the team can take a big enough step to actually claw them back this season, but they've made huge gains this season with a big upgrade that was brought to Austria, then scoring points and more developments. And then they've jumped from the back of the grid to one of the fastest teams on the grid in Monson over the last several races as well. They're one of the highest point scorers on the grid over those last several races and they are now the second fastest car on the entire grid which is I mean, uh, amazing so it has to you have to wonder if they're going to be able to make this jump to catch red bull next season well i i, I think the chance of catching them this year is all you need and this is a tough task given the thing you need driver error right for them to catch them this year you're going to need a driver error you're going to need max to screw up doesn't happen very often, right? But in the sense that the, the, whatever they figured out, they figured it out really well and they figured it out quickly and in season. You never saw like Minardi come from the back and, uh, and, no. and start to beat Michael Schumacher. It never happened, right? So <laughs> never. Uh, <laughs> never, never, or like more Russia or any of the other teams that yeah, have cycled through. None of them. Bar Honda, which none had good seasons, but never like this. I, I wonder about. <laughs> I wonder about the um, um, I wonder about this 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 McLaren tear, and you know when we looked at how well Aston Martin did at the beginning of the year and their inability to double down on that strength, whatever it was that pushed them ahead, uh, people caught yeah. up. They found them out, and and obviously Lance has had a bit of a rough a rough year, and and Alonso's been good, but it you know he can't outdrive his car at the moment. I am curious about how much Mercedes has taken from what McLaren has done. Because the one thing I'll give Mercedes credit for is they were a non-factor to start 2022. And by the end of the year, they were second place. Uh, start this year, both Lewis and and George said, we're not going to be winning any races. And not that they've been close. They've been, eh, they had a couple sniffs, but they, they are in there to be second place again. And, you know, everybody's looking at McLaren. I'm looking at Mercedes, who's got the history, who's got the pressure. And frankly, um, they're mad. They're upset that they're second. Like, McLaren's happy to be there. Mercedes is like, we expect to be better than this. You know? Yeah. It, 
that it's a great point too because if you look at like you had said where they were to start the season like it wasn't good at all like the car was was crap they decided to stick with this same philosophy that they were running in 2022 which clearly they had outdeveloped they just couldn't push it any further than what they had already done and then quickly reverting to something totally different in aero philosophy once the monaco grand prix rolled around and that's kind of like adam when i look at it it's like a cut and paste job really because that car is still has the bones of last year's car like we're mm-hmm. still talking about a team that is second in the constructor standings with technically a chassis that's almost 12 12 months old they're still using the side impact structures that they've built outwardly from this car and that right there shows you they've had to build everything around that mm-hmm. for for this season which is is pretty ridiculous when you think about it because there's a ton of performance there just for them to be gained and right now currently i mean they're sometimes third fastest second fastest teams in races and so mm-hmm. it's impressive i think from the standpoint of what mercedes has done this season but yeah like if you look at next season i mean how much let's see how much wind tunnel time they're gonna get right like they're gonna get yeah yeah Yeah. swear okay so so if you go back to june 30th Mm -hmm. okay so at june 30th that's the time where uh all the teams wherever they were in the standings at that moment that'll lock them in for their restricted testing time for wind tunnel and CFD. And for those who don't know, that's basically where you make your car faster. And those times get reduced for championship winners and downwards. So for Red Bull, for instance, they get 60%. Now they were supposed to get 70%, but because they had that uh, cost cap breach from 2021, exactly. So they get knocked 10% down, which brings them to 60% and they have to stay at 60% of this wind tunnel testing time until October. And so right now everyone's developing their 2024 cars. It's just the way it is. But for Red Bull, this is the allotted time that they get for Mercedes. They get 75%. They're already getting 15% more than Red Bull racing is. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Aston Martin in third at 80% Ferraris in fourth, 85% Alpines in fifth with 95, 90%. And in sixth, it's McLaren with wow. 95% wind tunnel CFD design time. That's pretty good. I like that for McLaren. And listen, I, I don't want nope, to try to denigrate the team. I'm, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool McLaren fan. I love, love what they're doing. I don't <laughs> care how many sponsorships they sell on the car. If there's any orange left by next year, Zach Brown will have sold it. I don't care. But it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's they, 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 I, I think, I think, the, the thing is, and, and this is going to be really important for next year, the first five races, can we get a two or a three-way battle the first five races? If we get that, then very likely we're going to have a two-way race the rest of the way between whatever two teams emerge from the three-way, right? And I got to watch my phrasing here. But the point is that if we can, if, if you can see, if you get, a, you get a good little Netflix bump at the beginning, you get excitement. And then you get a team that legitimately challenges Red Bull or maybe two that legitimately challenges Red Bull in the first five races. I think we're back to having conversations about, holy smokes, look at the year over year growth for Formula One, right? For and, sure. and as we said kind of last episode, like greatness is boring. Tom Brady winning all those Super Bowls is boring. Or at least 
to some people it's boring to people in Boston. It was awesome. If you're a Red yeah. Bull fan, I like, I don't, I would love to know Tim, if they could have a, if they could have that same company do a survey, but it's just for Red Bull racing, because I can guarantee you this. There are people who didn't know who Red Bull Racing was five years ago, even though Red Bull won four championships in a row. There's plenty of people who had never heard of them who are mm-hmm. wearing Red Bull every day. I see it in my neighborhood. No, people walking around with too. Red Bull jackets. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. They're, they're huge winners. So, so maybe you lose a little bit on the interest side from, from you know casual audiences. It's going to happen. Um, but I do think you double down on your hardcore fans when you've got a team winning. Like, look at all the Mercedes fans. Do you think that they're... Do you think that they're there because they hated watching Lewis Hamilton win all those championships? I think they created a hardcore fan base. Ferrari fans. Yeah. Why is yeah. why is Ferrari at, like when you go to Monza? Like, forget uh, Max Verstappen's traveling fans. You, they wouldn't even find a seat at Monza. There's there's no room for them. Ferrari no is yeah. everywhere all the time. Why is that? Because they won championship after championship after championship after championship, and for at, people at the time said it was boring. I think maybe it's not great for Formula One on the whole. But I think that this is good for Red Bull. And I think when Mercedes and McLaren, and I think this is going to sound crazy, but I think Ferrari is going to have a good year next year. I think their car is better than, than they're leading on. Um, that is going to be good for those brands and those hardcore fans. And it's going to be better for the sport. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, 100%. I think like, you know, I think a big part of it is, Adam, is that when you get and we've seen it before in formula one obviously when you get a team or a driver who is who is dominating the conversation that focuses around first place changes and mm-hmm. you have to focus mm-hmm. a little bit further on down the grid because there are a ton of great storylines um that are happening there as as well and i think for maybe some of the fans who were newer coming into formula one maybe they kind of lost that that appetite because there wasn't that battle that was happening at the front, but Mm -hmm. you're still in this report, looking at it a little closer. You're you're still getting like, they still, Formula One is still on a rise and it is still extremely popular. It's not like we're talking that this thing is totally like died off. Like bottoming out. Yeah. No, it's it's still on a, like a massive trajectory, dude. It's like, it's just whether or not compared to seasons on past, how fast it's actually growing, where there has been decline because of the stuff that's happening at the front. But I think that's important for Formula One, right? You need Absolutely. competition at the at the front. And so yeah, I just think if if you if we take a look at some of the teams and like you had mentioned, Ferrari, uh, Mercedes, McLaren, I mean, if you get these teams, you know, battling again up at the front, I mean, the storylines, the sport will take off again. It'll be a rocket ship and all this other great stuff. And I do feel that it is possible for that to happen, even though some experts say that, like, it probably won't. But Adam, I mean, we've seen, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, right? You take a look at McLaren, mm-hmm. right, Adam? Like, where they were, like we had mentioned at the beginning of the season, to where they are now. Yeah. So that's thanks to the, these new regulations. Yes, 100%. And I don't think, Tim... Like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to what I know best, which is the NHL. Okay. I know the NHL yeah, best. Um, 100%. when they instituted a salary cap, what it, what it meant was big clubs like Toronto and Detroit and, and New York and, and Boston and some of these, you know, Eastern big spenders. And there were some big spenders out West meant that they had to cut their payrolls in half. I think Toronto in 2004 spent $80 million on their players. The salary cap right now is at $80 million in the NHL. So they spent $80 million in 2004. 
by 2006, when they came back and played again, the salary cap was $42.5 million. So uh, I say that to say this, that same thing has happened to McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari. I think Renault, Alpine were, were pretty big spenders as well uh, before the cost cap era. And what it created was chaos for, for 10 years. You had teams that had never won before, never got a sniff. The Anaheim Ducks never got a sniff. Ottawa Senators never got a sniff, but they both got into the finals. They didn't win. Uh, you had teams in smaller markets um, like New Jersey. Oh, sorry. Anaheim did win in 2008. You had teams like New Jersey winning. You had Detroit did win, but they had a lot of carryover from the previous era. Um, you had a team come out of nowhere, irrelevant for years and years and years. The Chicago Blackhawks had been irrelevant since the 80s or the early 90s and came out and won three cups. Um, I think what's going to happen is we're just seeing the effects of the cost cap era. We really are. Yeah. Um, it's it, it. And as Tim, as you always say, when you're developing a car, it takes three to four years to be on a development plan anyway. Um, but I think the cost cap ramifications are just beginning to be felt. And I think stories like McLaren are going to be part of what carries this sport. You may have a, a dual race for, for the top tier in the, in, in formula one, but if you have a come from behind story, like a McLaren actually go in and maybe even challenge for a top two or a top three spot. That is going to be stuff that really grows the game and keeps it interesting and keeps people on their toes. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. We're going to see a lot of that. And I think in the next few years, I know Red Bull is by all accounts, they're kind of one of the smaller teams, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're not, they're not backed by a huge company or at least not until Ford takes over. Um, it feels like we're going to see somebody weird, win sometime soon like imagine a world where williams is winning a title again imagine a world and 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 williams who's won a ton of titles but in the in the in you know it's been a long time imagine a world where gene haas has a team in the top three right that or or the new andretti cadillac whenever that comes out um you know that that's going to be so exciting and i think yeah. everybody wants the hot take everybody wants to jump and be like well if this this is what the results are this year so this is what it is I think you have to take it on aggregate over five to 10 years, right? Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm ranting, but I just feel like no. it's like everybody feels like they have the answer right now. There, there's no way you could possibly have the answer right now. We're not even through three years of this. And that's the thing, right? Nobody does have that answer, even though there are some people who, like you said, you know, throwing out hot takes saying like, you know, whatever. Formula Red One has now. a problem. I don't Yeah, know. it's like a, they have a problem. There, there are issues, but it's, it's kind of like, I mean, for sure, Red Bull will have an early lead for next season, hundred percent It's guaranteed because they've been able to develop the, the better product faster. And so for all these other teams and McLaren, I just come and keep coming back to because they've made the biggest gains. They've made the biggest turnaround sure. and they are closer now to, to Red Bull than anybody has been. And I think at the end of the day, it's, it comes down to them being on that right path mm -hmm. And there's a ton, Adam, there is a ton of development that can be done with McLaren and Mercedes in the offseason. Yeah. Like, look at Aston Martin's turn turnaround from where they were at the end of uh, 2022 to where they were at the beginning of 2023. This is a massive uh, shift in development. And then if you take into consideration that McLaren's car, mm -hmm. for the most part, was being developed in Cologne. Yeah, like it, yeah. It wasn't even being developed on site, dude. Like, it, yeah. And so you you look at how long does that take them to do that, right? You've got to pack all the stuff up. You got to ship it out there. You got to make sure all the data is correlating. You got to make sure all the stuff that you've 
gotten is working properly, bring it all the way back and then redevelop. And so that's a ton of time that they're losing. But now, since they've got this brand new shiny wind tunnel online, then they actually have the 2024 car in there right now developing wow. for next year. Yeah. And so I think yeah. for a team like like McLaren, Adam, can actually make that jump. And I think in particular, and you said it best for Mercedes, I think they're hungry, they're pissed off, and they want to make sure that they're beating Red Bull next season. Because mm-hmm. if you look at Mercedes, yeah, perfect team, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they've got some of the best the money can buy. They have the best infrastructure. They have the best technology. Um, well, I guess one of the things that stood out to me the most was what uh, Hamilton had said at the end of the Japanese Grand Prix, where he said, "Like we've got to, we've got to hope that like for the next six months of development that we've." It has to be the best we've ever had to close well, the gap. And, and, and um, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people made a lot of that quote and they go, wow, that's that's a lot of pressure to put on your garage to do that or your factory back home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you work. You have the privilege of working for Mercedes F1. You work in the candy store. You work in the toy store. Of course. And of course, these people, they're not just people with, you know, degrees in engineering. Uh, or mechanical engineer, or whatever aerospace, some of them like it's it's crazy how educated all these garage like everybody in the garage. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. They're so yeah. smart, but they're also driven beyond driven. Of course, they're going to respond positively to something like that. If you don't respond positively to a challenge like that from a guy like Lewis Hamilton, you probably shouldn't be working there. I I think that him declaring that that would fire me up if I was in that garage. I wish I was smart enough to work at a team like that. You know what I mean? Like it's just there. It's sure. a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a challenge. And that quote will look awful good. If, if Mercedes wins one or two of the first five races next year, like real good, like what a, what a PR yeah. piece that would be for them. And even if Red Bull does get off to a strong start for next season, I still see Mercedes McLaren, mm-hmm. Aston Martin, Ferrari. I still see these teams, uh, making inroads towards Red Bull, so by the time you get to race five or six, they're starting to claw. They're starting to claw them back a bit more I've, because I've, I think at the end of the day, everybody knows the direction they got to go in. I got a question for you. We we've seen yeah. Williams really take a step forward this year, and obviously Logan Sargent's oh, yeah, names. We're not we're not sure about you know if Logan Sargent's going to be back. It looks like he will. Um, and they and James Vowles actually put out to be to be honest. I I was surprised at how honest he's been. Um, he actually answers okay. questions from Williams fans on Instagram. Did you see that video? The video he put out today? Yeah. On thir- uh, when did we record on Thursday? Yeah, did you see? Yeah. Did you see? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and he's like, Logan yeah, Sargent yeah, yeah, has yeah. definitive goals that he needs to hit, and we're very clear with him about that. I was like, wow. Like, that. talk about opening up the, uh, the cape. Um, Big so- time. But he also said, like, they want Logan to succeed, and they want him back at the team. Which is really nice. I wish Helmut Marco was that supportive of his drivers. But I think, uh, I think Williams for me, and I, this is what I wanted to ask you, they're the next team that could go on a run. Like McLaren's gone on a run, and they deserve it. They've, yeah. they've, the technology's yeah. fallen, fallen into place. They have a fantastic driver lineup, a 1A and a 1B. Those guys have been, they've been racing great. They've been getting along great. That's all good. Um, clearly there is a talent gap and a development gap between Alex Albon and Logan Sargent. It can't be helped. It is what it is. Can you see a world where Williams is challenging for the top of the midfield next year because of these regulations? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think because of 
the way we are at with the regulation, I I think anybody who is on, I mean, look at Alpha Tauri. They mm-hmm. sucked to start the season. Terrible. That car was horrible, dude. Terrible. They've made massive upgrades of this thing. They've totally turned this car around, and now they are just on the fringes of of getting into Q3s, battling for P9, P10. They're right there now. Like They're starting to push in, and that's doing it within the season, which mm-hmm. is remarkable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see Williams for, for sure. Like challenging an Alpine. Being one of those teams. Yeah, I think so, 100%. I think one of the biggest things like Williams' problems is infrastructure. It's just how old everything is. They don't have enough equipment. They don't have enough good equipment. Like, I've been to the factory. It is a little dated compared to, like, you go to Aston Martin's factory. Brand dude, new. that thing is state-of-the-art. It's incredible. It's beautiful. And then, like, Williams, as you can tell, it's, like, it's been run down a little bit. They need to put a little TLC into that. But that's a totally different story. Different story. Well, I think... Uh, yeah. I think like one of the things like for Williams is the fact that during this season and James Valsa was you know publicly open about it uh, on Thursday uh basically just saying we're giving all the new parts to Alex. And, right. And that's because they don't have enough infrastructure to make enough parts for Logan. Mhm. And 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 really even that's if they everything. did Tim uh would Logan be the best guy to test them on? Is he going to show you what the car can do with it? Um, probably not. He doesn't have the confidence yet. No. And I wish I wish that were a different answer, but it's like you're not going to get the best yeah. data from Logan Sargent. You're going to get it from Alex. Um, and I wondered, I, I wondered too, you know, uh, I saw the um, Christian Horner um, quote about Liam Lawson potentially going to Williams. And what I found interesting about it is it affects both Williams and, and Red Bull because he said, I don't think that they would want a driver for just one year. Yeah. And my question is, why not? Like, I understand wanting I understand wanting to have drivers for more than a year and, and build them into the team. But if Liam Lawson comes in and is legitimately better than Logan Sargent and it helps you climb and it helps you get better data and it helps you get you more prize money. And then you look to the future. I know Williams has its own driver pipeline. I don't think any of those guys are really ready yet. Why not? What if what if an Esteban Ocon becomes available uh, in 2024? His contract to be up. Maybe he'll want to be out of Alpine. What if one of the better drivers comes up? You know you're going to lose Liam Lawson, and you've shown, hey, we've made we've made a huge jump. We were tenth place, and we're now in seventh place, and now we're in fifth place. Don't you want to be with us? I don't know. That seems like a pretty attractive thing to me. I think you want to dress the best driver lineup, but I, I don't know, Tim, do they believe that Logan Sargent has that high end capability? They do. Yeah. For now. I mean, you know, Vals has made it known that they still feel that Logan's got a, a ton of potential uh, left in him. I think like one of the things that he's stressed is he stressed the, the driver development program that Williams has built up. I mean, Logan being the first, driver from that program is really important i think they they want him to succeed because if it doesn't it puts at risk that driver development program and doralton would just possibly shut it down if it's not working at him i mean that's right that's a huge thing that could possibly so they, happen because they doralton owns the team so they need it to work it has to work man like their their driver development program has got to work 
uh, because I, I don't think at the end of the day you can just take a Liam Lawson who's a rookie, throw him in your car for next year and, and hope that he's he's going to be fast. And what happens if he doesn't work out? He doesn't have that experience like Esteban Ocon does. Yep. Yep. So that's, yeah, a, and that's a huge deal, man. That's a, yeah. Just a thought, just a thought. I'm just, I'm very, I'm very, no, I got a, what I got, I got a warm spot for, for Williams. I think I like, they just like, what a great, what a great story they are. Right. They are. I, I agree. I think like seeing where they were at the beginning of the season to where they are now is, is impressive. But I mean, like the team giving Alex all the new equipments and like there's things happening behind the scenes we just don't we don't know about. I mean, it's it's fine if Alex is getting an upgrade for one race and then the next race, Logan should be getting it. But that's not really what's happening. Right. Like Alex is just the car keeps getting faster and faster for him where Logan doesn't get all of the upgrades, which means that performance wise, we really don't know how close they actually are according to Val's at the Japanese Grand Prix during qualifying before he had crashed, they were right on pace to both Logan was right on pace to match Alex in terms of lap time on that run that he crashed on. It, but this isn't the first time that Williams has done something like this, Adam. I mean, they did it to Nicholas Latifi in the past. Like remember he didn't get an upgrade until races later and it yeah. was a big upgrade yeah. <laughs> that he was missing out on. So there are like I think internally the infrastructure with the team. I think the more that they can build that out, then the better off that they are going to be. And and Val's has actually said that publicly. So, hmm. interesting. interesting team, I think. Well, interesting. Like, I, I got a soft spot for Williams too, man. But if you were, if you were an automaker and you saw like, is you know the automakers that want in are like legitimate high end sellers, right? You've got McLaren, which has sells a high end car. Ferrari sells a high end car. Mercedes sells a high end car. Um, Red Bull's going to partner with Ford. Uh, which does sell some high-end cars. I'm sure there'll be some Mustang, you know, commercials with Max Verstappen and maybe Daniel Ricciardo uh, whenever that happens. Um, but I wonder about a team like Williams. Like, Dorleton is, is you know, they are a, uh, the whole point that, the whole reason they exist is to make money on money, right? That's yep. the, they're a capital uh, company. So, wonder I wonder if they wouldn't go to, you know, one of these, key automakers and make Williams not change the name Williams, but like, what about, uh, um, this is a terrible example, but like a Williams Volvo or a Williams BMW, or, you know, you know what I mean? I know BMW left the sport. They could go, they could always come back in where you go and you find that sort of thing and, and make it into a brand. Because frankly, I think what they're going to need is an injection of capital. If Dorleton's not willing to do it, to bring that factory up to specifications. Otherwise, like, what are they doing? Like, you know, if the factory is looking like that, you got to put plans in place to, to, you've already capitalized on a ton of value. Williams is now worth, it was, they bought it for 150 million. It's now worth $700 million. You need to invest some of that because you should be in the billions very soon. Yeah. So one of the big things you're talking about is called capital expenditure, which right. the, the teams have available to them, but it's only available to them up to a certain amount. And this came in before, I want to say 2021, which was obviously Val's wasn't at Williams at the time. Right. And so he couldn't make the adjustments that he wanted to make. So now that you've got this new team principal, he's now pushing behind closed doors to 
get that CapEx ex, uh, expanded more so he can spend more. He, he feels that they have the money to spend on the infrastructure. It's that the rules won't allow them to spend more than what the CapEx is. And it's not much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like you also made a good point with like an auto manufacturer coming on board. It's kind of like the Andretti thing, right? Like with Andretti yeah. wanting to come onto the grid, it's, it's like, okay, well, we're going to bring Cadillac with us, which is a GM product. L- luxury and... brand, traditionally. Exactly. But it that's more of like a marketing exercise because it's not like Cadillac at this moment, from what we've learned, they're not going to be building the engines. No, no. That'll be... Where we don't you even look know at... who... I don't know where they'll get their power units. Maybe Ford? Exactly. Who knows, right? They could get it from Alpine. Yeah. We have no idea at this moment, but... What we do know is the Ford project with Red Bull. And so that's where Red Bull has done a really smart thing. And they've created their own powertrains division where they can build Mm -hmm. their own engines. And all Ford is really going to be doing is contributing to the, uh, from my understanding, contributing to the the battery technology. Okay. Interesting. That's going to be a big thing for them. Oh, well, and you said that a lot of the developments that come through Formula One cars actually make it under the auto market, like the the general auto market, right? That's where they test a lot of it out. I don't think yes. people know that. Yeah, usually. Really? No, I don't think. I, I think that that's normal to you. But to the average person like myself, I don't think people know that a lot of the innovations you see in your car, like hybrid engines, a lot Come of that racing, yeah. comes from racing. Yeah. That's cool, Tim. Sorry. I'm yeah, taking us all over the place man. here. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated Dude. by that. No, no, it's all good, man. Yeah. So at the end of all of this, for Williams to succeed, it's got to be something that's going to be built from their infrastructure. Uh, and I think they have the money to do this. I think Doralton has the money to do this. Mm-hmm. I think they do need to believe in that driver development program that they do have. James Valls is sticking behind it. They seem to believe that Logan does have the potential and they're going to run with him until they feel that he doesn't. Um, and, you know, I've seen what Logan can do on the track. He is a very good driver. And I, I think that, he has that ability and I think at the end of the day, we talked about this ad nauseum on the, our last podcast about what Logan needs to do to, to get back up onto, onto pace with Alex for sure. Um, yeah. Adam, this has been fun. Like always, dude, thanks for taking the time uh, to, to do this. You, you've done like six podcasts today. So how well, you feeling? It's, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was our, it was, it's one of those days sometimes where you just have a bazillion of them, but I love doing this show with you. I love talking Formula One and mostly because I get to I get to ask you a bunch of questions that I'd be asking you over text anyway. So it's kind of works out. So what's your uh, what's your thoughts on this Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift stuff? You think they're actually dating? I think they're dating. Jesse, Jesse thinks that they're Jesse Blake thinks they're um, uh, she's got a movie coming out in a couple of weeks. She is going to be at the game this weekend. It's been reported. Um, but I think that uh, it's I do think they're legitimately hanging out how much they really like each other. I don't think it matters. Maybe, you know, I, I think all of us have had a relationship where it's like, ah, you're hot. I'm hot. Let's have some fun. And I feel like that's what this is. But both of them like attention. Let's be honest. And they're enjoying the attention, too. So why not? What do you think? Do you I believe think, uh, it? Tra- I... No, you don't, I don't believe it. Huh? I don't. No, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't believe that. Like, I, I think at this moment, it's like, let's like go out on a couple dates. Let's get to know each other. Let's see if we have some chemistry and we'll sort of see, see what happens. I saw what you guys did on the SDP. I think it was yesterday, <laughs> dude, where the Which, astrological. Like, oh, 
Oh yeah, people want to know if they're going to work work together because of their astrological sign. By the way, uh, I, have you ever seen one of those circular astro- astrological charts? No, I don't. Well, no, I don't either. But I've seen them, and I got to tell you, Tim, it, it it looks more complicated than the data that you see in Formula One. Crazy stuff. Crazy. I don't know how. If for something that to me is basically made up, it's shocking how complicated people can make it. Amazing. I, I, I was looking at the thing you guys posted and I was looking, I'm like, I, I don't even know what this is. Like, no, I don't no, even, I don't. if if you're going based on your love life with this thing, then I I think you, you may be in trouble. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because yeah. like, holy <laughs> boy. I wouldn't believe <laughs> how many people do. I, my, um, one of my best friends and ex-co-host Jax Irwin from when I was working in radio, she was like, she, she, she would actually put stock into that. She'd be like, well, you know, I'm a Leo and this person's a Gemini or whatever. And I know that this isn't going to last. Like, oh, do you? Okay, cool. Like, <laughs> it didn't mean that well, she like, would write them it? off, but she would just wouldn't right. take it as seriously. And people are like that. And I, okay, all right. <laughs> Where's Not, the statistical proof? <laughs> well, and, and I, think, I think the great thing about horoscopes is they're malleable enough that you can make them fit anything that you need them to fit. And that's why people find so much value in them, right? They can just Interesting. Be, yeah. Yeah, that's easy. And, uh... Also, you guys have your live event coming up in St. Catharines on Friday. Friday, St. Catharines, Welland Avenue. The course and clubhouse, it is sold out. 180 people are going to be there. We're really excited. And what's great about this, Tim, is it gives us the chance to uh, try out this video game. We've been, One of our listeners, uh, his name's Chris uh, Atala. He uh, started his own video game studio during the pandemic. Uh, he got kind of tired of working for the major operators and wanted to create a game that uh they all think can't work uh so this is going to be like an arcade style hockey game in the same vein as like nhl 94 or wayne gretzky's 3d hockey but it also has like a first person story element where you have to take on the hockey gods and bring the cup back and it's very very cool and uh we're all for you listen we're an independent media company so we're all for supporting other independent uh artists and and creators and and i think chris is one of those ones where he's a gem and this game's a lot of fun so the Kickstarter is open. Uh, check it out on, on uh, you can see it on the STP episode. It's in the description. But we're going to be able to play it at this course and clubhouse bar because it's a golf simulator. And he's going to bring it. And actually, you're going to get to play it on the golf simulator, which is neat. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I cool. saw like I, I was watching. Um, I was showing my girlfriend it because it was like the uh, they had something online. It was a YouTube video where kind of like described what it was. And then they showed you the game and. It looks awesome, man. It reminds me of like, you know, like Wayne Gretzky, whatever, and like Madden NFL. Like, it yes, just, yes, and it looks hits. awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, really fun. Yes. Really fun. and and you know, for guys like us, like Tim, I don't know if you're a big video game player. I certainly love video games, and I there am, was yeah. there was a social element <laughs> to too. it too. Yeah, like it's like some of my best friends were guys that I met playing Star Wars Battlefront. Like I and and these are guys that are all different ages or whatever. I think. The, the thing is, is that when you get a little bit older, in my case, you have a kid, it's so hard to devote the same time to it. So, yes. um, so being able to jump into a game and immerse yourself and being able to leave, like if you go play Call of Duty online, good luck. You're going to get smoked. There are kids who are 12 <laughs> who've been playing since they are two and they can play eight hours a day and it doesn't cost them anything. <laughs> I can't do that. So I'm going to get crushed. But the this is one of those games that you can jump in, jump out of, and and it's it's a it's going to be a blast every time you pick it up. Adam, do you play Call of Duty? I used to. 
I used to. Um, I you don't stopped, anymore. No, I stopped after I had the I had the most recent Black Ops, um, which I got with my PS5, and it was really good, um, really really well done. I like the story modes in them. Playing online drives me crazy because after about the first <laughs> week, people uh, people have already hacked the game and they know how to cheat, and it's like ah, like that kind of sucks. So when I play online battle or whatever, it's Star Wars Battlefront Two or I don't know if you ever played Battlefield One, which is the World War Two oh, yeah. or sorry, World War One Battlefield. One, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Outstanding game. Still good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still and good. people are Steve, people are still playing it. So I play that. Um, I played a lot of Formula One a couple years ago, but I fell off with Formula One twenty two because it wasn't much of an improvement. I've heard twenty three is really good, but I'm gonna wait till twenty twenty four to get the next one next July. Um, and hook up the steering wheel and actually get into it because I was yeah, playing with man, controllers. You need a sim. Yeah? yeah, I want to do a yeah. racing sim. Like, I want to have a, I want to have a freaking hobby one of these days, and racing sims would be perfect. I would. Yeah. Do you have like a full sim? I don't have a. I, I haven't played like a Formula One video game since probably nineteen ninety nine. No way. See, I'd yeah, be curious like, to see how you would do at a Formula One sim. Like, just like, I bet you just walk on and crush everybody. Because uh, well, people take I've it played, very seriously. Like, I've played. I've played like an actual like an F1 simulator. Oh, okay. Like one of the state of the art ones where they're measuring your uh you get data analytics. You know, you can pretty much it's just like a race car. It's got like it moves around on you and stuff. You you have this huge huge screen in front of you. It's massive. It's like a movie screen. It goes all around you and stuff. You got to wear a helmet when you're in this thing because of all of the dynamics with the movable chassis and stuff. So I've done that, like, and that's very realistic, but never done the, like the PC sim racing stuff ever, even though I've heard it's really good. So I would love you, to, but I can't yeah, afford you, it, man. It's so expensive. Oh, it is. It is. Well, you can build a simulator for like less than, uh, less than 200 bucks. Like you can build your own and get us the guy that won the formula one online world championship, won it with a steering wheel worth 300 bucks. Like the steering wheel and pedals. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I have one. It's a Logitech. Um, not expensive. Like the ones that the real some people spend like two or three grand on like just the steering wheel, right? Um, and yeah. and you know, you could buy the simulators for a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, the ones you're talking about. Yeah. But the the guys that are like, you know, these are these are kids from the middle of nowhere. Uh, and they're winning because they had, you know, they had cheap equipment, but they got good at it. So I feel like I would love to see what you would look like in a, in a sim, uh, especially yeah, on like iRacing or one of the Formula One online forms, because I, I think, you know, give you an hour, figure out the timing and, and the shifting and all that. And I feel like you'd be walking people in races. I'd love it. Man. That'd, be, that'd be awesome. So we got to get that happening for sim. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buddy, thanks very much for taking the time to do this. It's been great having you on. I always appreciate your time. Uh, for those of you listening to Nailing the Apex, blah, blah, <laughs> Nailing the Apex, <laughs> Nailing the Apex, please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. Write reviews. It really helps us grow the show. And you can also watch us on YouTube as well. Adam, thanks again, man, for taking the time. We'll talk to everybody later. Tim, love you.